Welcome to the Air It Out podcast presented by Inside the Hashes. My name is Juan Gordon. I'm joined in a Skype call filled with contributors. I got Jerome Jones producing. I got Avery Collins to my left, and I got Chris Thomas to my right. What is up, everybody? Years. What's going on? Uh, all right, guys. I know that, like, you know, we we usually start uh, these kinds of things with a little bit of a pop culture talk about, but I kind of want to jump into like another sports related topic and. I want to talk about the NBA Finals that are happening right now. Who would have thought, first off, that the Toronto Raptors, a team that has never been to the Finals in their very short-lived history, would actually be here right now where they are. And not only be where they are, but win the first game of the NBA Finals, which is usually a tone setter for how this usually goes. And Avery, I see you have a comment right there. No, you asked who would have thought, and I'm, I'm saying I would have thought. <laughs> I saw it. Like I saw it coming. I was like, I, I once they got into the playoffs, I, I knew that there was going to be, they were going to be um, the favorites coming out of the East. Um, as much as I, I thought the Sixers probably matched up uh, the best against them, um, I just knew that uh, the fact that they had Kawhi was going to be an issue because Kawhi is literally. Um, He's he's a freak of nature when it comes to the defensive side of the basketball, and the Toronto Raptors were the best defensive team in the playoffs um, this year, and they still have been. So I just I just knew um, if he could score points and then stop the other team's best player from scoring points, that that was going to happen. Um, I just felt like if and only if um, Ben Simmons could average twenty points, that would be the only thing that would allow the Toronto Raptors to, to be defeated, but that wasn't the case. And so I I picked them to go in there, and I picked them to win game one because the announcement was that Kevin Durant wasn't going to be playing. So I knew just right then, off the strength, that KD wasn't playing. I knew the Toronto Raptors were going to come out um, and try to steal game one just because they're like, well, if he, come back for, if he comes back for game two, we want to at least be able to have a game under our belt. So, And that's, that's how it played out. I did not expect... Uh, Pascal Siakam to drop 32, though. That was unprecedented. And I, he would have to continue to do that in order for them to win this series. I don't foresee it happening. I still have the Warriors in six. I mean, as, as, uh, I'm going to make the assumption all, everyone here is a, is a Sixers fan, by any chance? All right, sorry, man. Everyone, what are you, bro? Heat Nation. Heat Nation? Ooh, you, like, okay, when did you become a Heat fan? I need to ask that's very important. I've been a Heat fan okay. since forever um and I've, I've been a heat fan for a long time i, I really like kind of was sold and uh cemented as a heat fan um when Dwayne wade got there because i followed Dwayne wade all through marquette he's my favorite player he's been my favorite player um he's my favorite player all the time so um when he got drafted by the heat that was just kind of like the icing on the cake so because i was a huge fan of alonzo morning i, I love the way he played i love what he stood for i love pat riley i loved all those those different players. Um, Anton Walker being on the team was pretty cool as well because I liked Anton Walker growing up as well uh, for his sh- shooting ability. So, yeah, no. Um, I've always been a Heat fan, but getting Dwayne Wade, that was it. See, all right, let me ask the 276ers in this, in this chat right now. Guys, seeing the Toronto Raptors going where they are and seeing how they got there, do you feel like they deserve to be where they are? It makes us feel a little bit better that we lost to them. Just a little bit. Just a teeny bit. Chris shaking his head. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Just one lucky shot off, off of Kawhi Leonard. One lucky shot. Is it, is it, see, but my thing is this. Is it lucky? Y'all allowed him to get to his spot and shoot his shot that he loves to shoot. Everybody knows that's his go-to shot. So, for me, I don't feel like it's a lucky shot. I feel like it's bad game planning. In my opinion, on Brett Brown, I don't blame any of the Sixers players. I blame Brett Brown on that. You have to know he cannot get to the right wing. He cannot. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what what play you have to. I don't care if you have to put a wall over there. You cannot let him get to the left wing and get to the right wing. That is a shot. He's been showing it all season that that is go to shot. Uh, I think he had like eleven, either game winning or, or game tying uh, shots from the right wing this year alone. And that is a shot. So don't you can't let him get there. All right, guys. Final thought before we jump into the rundown today. Um, since it since. We're in the habit of making predictions here inside the hash room. Um, I wanted to ask your predict your predictions for how the NBA finals are going to go. Uh, Jerome, you first, then Avery, and then Chris at the end. Warriors in three. Warriors in three. <laughs> <laughs> I seen that. No, I'm sorry. I seen that online. <laughs> I seen that online. I was crying when I seen that. Somebody said I got words in three. I just had to say it. I'm sorry. No, uh, I say words and I say words in six. Okay, words in six. Avery, I still got words in six. Um, like I said, Pascal Siakam would have to like continue to score the way he has. Um, I think Draymond Green is going to take that on the chin. Um, and he's going to take the heart. He's going to come out firing on all cylinders. He's going to play him extremely hard. Um, I also think that um, Steph, just the way he looked after the end of game one, um, it was a. It looked like, to me, it looked like Steph was in a feeling out mode. It was like, how are you guys going to play me if Kevin Durant isn't here? I think he's figured it out. Um, and I think he's going to – I, I called Steph I, I, I for at least, at least 45 next game. Um, so I have the words in six. The only reason why I don't want to ride on the win is because I really can't stand Drake. But, True. I love the Trojans. Yeah, but that being said, even if Kevin Durant comes back, you got to think with that injury that he has, especially for him being a seven-footer, having that leg injury with him being out for that long is definitely going to linger. Same with DeMarcus Cousins. So I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say Toronto is seven. Mm. I don't think the Kevin Durant injury is, is as big as people think. It's like I think it would be more so a stamina thing. I think that's I think if he's going to come out, he's going to come out at 100% health. Because I personally think he could have played game one. But I think they held him out because they're like, well, we haven't seen you practice yet. So, because he's probably saying, yeah, I'm healthy. But he's saying, like, oh, we haven't practiced yet, so let's let's go ahead and... I'm personally just going to take Chris's side on this one. I'm, t- I'm calling the Raptors in 17. There's no way Toronto's not losing that game. Yeah, no, I don't see it. Like, they, it's going to be a dog fight. Even though it doesn't really look like it, it's going to be a dog fight. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing the NBA Finals being good this year instead of what it was last year. So, moving on right now, we're going to head into the rundown. The rundown. All right, to start it off, the era of a successful Browns team is off to a bit of a hitch in Cleveland, as head coach Freddie Kitchens told Cleveland.com that newly acquired wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. has, quote, missed a lot by skipping voluntary workouts. Odell was acquired by the Browns in March via trade with the New York Giants. 
And injury news, the Packers have suffered a major injury to the most important person on the team, their head coach. According to the NFL.com's Mike Silver, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur suffered a torn Achilles while playing a game of knockdown on a Lambeau basketball court. Former quarterback Peyton Manning had been name-checked numerous times in broadcast and NFL executive job searches, and he has finally responded to these stories. In an interview with Nine News' Mike Kliss, Peyton said, I think it's funny to be up for a lot of jobs, but I don't really get to confirm or get asked about it. I like listening. I talked to the, to the Monday Night Football folks. I had a great conversation. It wasn't the right time. Maybe it'll never be. Just like that, that's how you know Peyton Manning is really good at making teas. In other news, according to TMZ Sports, Bills rookie linebacker Tyrell Dotson was arrested on domestic violence and disorderly conduct charges after his girlfriend told police he became physical in an argument with her. Bills are aware of the situation, but have not commented on any potential consequences for Dotson. And... Unfortunately, to end the rundown on the darker note, new Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles turns to OTAs in Duval after personal time to be with his wife, who suffered a miscarriage in late May. Foles, a devout Christian, commented on Twitter, quote, Tori has written a beautiful, heartfelt post explaining what we have gone through with uh, this love last week. We are grateful for all the love, support, and prayers. Ending the tweet with a reference to the Bible verse 2 Corinthians 12.9. Grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that, gentlemen, was today's rundown. So before we get started, first off, a lot of love and a lot of support. Uh, send that to Nick Foles and his family. Uh, it's hard to know what he's going through and even harder to think that someone so genuine as him can, can be put through such a trial and tribulations. Nothing but the best for Mr. Foles. Now, moving on to the first topic of the day, uh, we, for the past seven days, we lost an NFL legend, to put it plain and simple. Uh, Packers quarterback Bart Starr has, has passed away, and you, you see like a lot of people in the NFL community, like not a lot of people understood who Bart Starr was, but you ask any quarterback or any Packers fan uh, about the contributions that that man had made to football, and the list is just too long to even count. But five-time NFL champion, two-time Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, and one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever run the Vince Lombardi system. Gentlemen, I have to ask you guys, you know, we hear about Johnny Unitas and we hear about Dan Marino and Joe Montana and Steve Young, but not enough is said about Bart Starr. So, I want to ask all what is your thoughts on the legacy of Bart Starr? Chris, let me start off with you then. Obviously, when the announcement got told about um, the Packers and the Bears opening up for the 100th season of the NFL, um, you really have to think about um, the historic legacy that both the Bears and the Packers have done both together and exclusively uh, separately for the NFL. Obviously, the Packers, you want to talk about uh, the NFC title trophy name after uh, the late uh, after Hallis, and then we talk about uh, the Packers, the Lombardi trophy named after Vince Lombardi, who won the first ever Super Bowl, and their quarterback was Bart Starr. Bart Starr was probably the pioneer for probably one of the greatest dynasties, not one of the greatest dynasties, one of the greatest franchises in terms of culture and what they do for the fans because the entire city owns the team. So when you talk about the impact that Bart Starr has had winning the first Super Bowl, uh, 
and also going back to Super Bowl two, it's a legacy that no one will ever forget. And obviously, going into this season, uh, that Packers organization is definitely going to keep that in mind and try to dedicate that season to try to win uh, a fifth Lombardi Trophy for uh, for the late great Bart Starr. Five five Super Bowls for five time Super Bowl champion would be quite poetic. I do have to agree with that. Avery, your thoughts on Bart Starr? Um, I agree with everything Chris just said. Um, he made excellent, excellent points. I think that is we, we lost an NFL legend. Obviously, it's it's hard because the thing about it is you don't run across NFL legends all the time, right? Like even even. Even now, there's players who are great, but we wouldn't consider them legends in the game um, as, as of right now. Um, even, even you know, like kind of looking down the road, you wouldn't necessarily consider some of these guys legends, even as, as great as they are. But Bart Starr was definitely um, an NFL legend. Um, and to this day, has the number one QBR in the playoffs in NFL history. Um, as a homer, I just want to point out that Matt Ryan is third on that list. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he had to. He had to. But, uh, but Bart Starr, Bart Starr was uh, an NFL legend. He'll definitely be missed. He um, he revolutionized um, not only the position but just the game in, in and of itself. Um, and I, I think that um, I think one of the things that people are really going to or, or people have really overlooked is how much impact he had on the game um, and I think with his with his death I hope, I would hope that some people would, you know, do their research um, you know, do a quick history lesson and find out who he was because uh, like I said, he, he was he was a pioneer for the game, he's a legend and he'll, he'll be missed so uh, prayers and condolences out to his family Known as the guy who ran the QB sneak to win the Ice Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL Championship back in the early 60s, Mark Starr truly was a legend. But also, if it may be said, he was also a symbol of the of the of the aftermath that is playing in the league when you go into your in your 80s and your and and maybe your 90s if you're lucky. Um, a lot of reports were that Bart Starr had very a lot of trouble trying to communicate. Uh, because of so much head trauma that he suffered throughout his career, he wasn't able to communicate as well as he used to. He could barely even form sentences. So, if I may just say, like, Star's legacy as a football player cemented in greatness and in respect with everything due in that aspect. But I feel like his legacy should also be as a reminder for players to take care of themselves. And to be really, to really be aware of the mental health and physical health, because this is a game unlike any other, in which it will take a toll on you beyond any reason of a doubt. The hits, the the constant pressure to perform, and so much more, and so much more coming into it that no other sport is really like it. Basketball is not that much of a contact sport. Hockey, uh, hockey is not really that well looked upon, and it's, it's not as brutal as you would like it to be. And in terms of baseball, baseball used to be America's pastime. Now it's football. So just like a message for all NFL players out there, learn from the hard start. Take care of yourself. Remember to put yourself ahead before the needs of anyone else. So speaking of players that aren't able to take care of themselves, Ezekiel Elliott was in news earlier last week due to the fact that he was arrested at a Las Vegas uh, music festival for getting into a fight 
with a security guard. Now, he wasn't exactly arrested, more like he was handcuffed. And then he was released after the, after the security guard decided not to press charges. But honestly, this is not really surprising for someone of Ezekiel Elliott's um, character, for lack of a better word. The man, the man has had two prior incidents already. First off, his ex-girlfriend, Tiffany Thompson, accused him from domestic abuse, following two police reports in July of 2016. And this isn't the first time that we've seen Elliot get into trouble. First, it was uh, back in 2016 when his ex-girlfriend, Tiffany Thompson, accused him of domestic abuse, filing two police reports in July of that year uh, that said he assaulted her in a car and struck her multiple times over five days. The attorney's office at that time decided not to pursue charges, citing conflicting and inconsistent information. Then there was that time he was caught on video pulling down a woman's shirt and exposing her breasts during a St. Patrick's Day parade two years ago. There was no arrest or even a complaint from the woman, but Robinson reported the NFL still saw it as a violation of the personal conduct policy. And, of course, now we have the whole security guard issue. Uh... That's happened. That happened in Las Vegas. And guys, honestly, as talented of a player as Ezekiel Elliott is, I'm kind of tired of seeing his name show up every summer doing something, something stupid. And I, I, the question has to be asked: What is to be done of Ezekiel Elliott? Avery, go. Let me go off the field. Um, absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, if they were to do something, I think it would be a situation like they did with Des, where. Um, you know, you kind of give them a chaperone and a curfew. Um, and I think that would help because it helped Des Bryant. You see what it did for Des Bryant. It kept him out of trouble. Um, it also helped them to have an accountability partner. Um, and it helped him to be able to realize um, the opportunity that he's afforded right now. Not only just playing in the NFL, but playing for a, a franchise like the Dallas Cowboys who are always in the limelight. So um, I think that I think that that would, would be the, the extent of what I would do. Because to me, one, looking at the video, it was a situation where um, the guy, he flopped. Like, he embellished, obviously, clearly. You could see it in the video. There was absolutely nothing there. Um, the guy the guy was literally, you could see in his face, he's trying to egg Ezekiel Elliott on. Um, with that being said, I think Zeke has to know, I'm Ezekiel Elliott. I can't do certain things. I have to be able to walk away from certain things. But at the same time, we are all humans, and um, at the end of the day, he is a man. So at, at some point, it's like if you're, you know, you get angry enough, um, all that stuff sometimes can go out the can kind of go out the window. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's justified. I'm just saying that that's how it is. Sometimes um, we can allow our anger to get the best of us, and that's that's any one of us. It doesn't really really matter your profile or anything like that. Um, as far as the past stuff. To me, the most egregious thing would be the the domestic violence um, accusations, which again we don't know if they're true or not because nothing ever was fleshed out from those um, from those allegations or anything like that. I mean, as far as the the exposing the woman's breasts, it seemed like she wanted she didn't have an issue with it, obviously because there was no complaint. Um, it was a young man who obviously was just acting out of pocket, who was drunk in a situation where. That was probably going on, um, and it, it, it just so happened that because he's Ezekiel Elliott, that it became an issue. So I, for me, like, I don't see, I, I don't see uh, enough to, to for me to warrant saying that he has a character issue. 
I, I believe he has a guidance issue. I believe he just needs more guidance, and I believe he needs somebody who's going to tell him, hey, can just remind him, hey, you're Ezekiel Elliott. Let's not do this. But I, I don't think anything should come of it as far as repercussion or anything like that. He's a good kid um, who just, you know, kind of just needs to reel, reel it back in and, and recognize the opportunity that he's afforded. Alright, fair enough. That's right. Nobody say like the guidance, the guidance angle. I understand where it comes from there. Just personally, to me, like it's just hard to see someone with so much talent kind of get thrown across, like media, and kind of put himself in these situations. Uh, Curtis, what do you think uh, is going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott? Like, do you also think nothing is going to happen that the NFL is going to leave it be because there have been reports that they are planning to make an example out of him? And then they already make an example of him two years ago um, when they suspended him for six games when no reports got followed up. Um, listen, I'm an Eagles fan, so Zeke is suspended. I mean, good for Philly. What's good for the Goose is good for the Gander. But this to me is like one of the bigger non-issues I've seen like in all offseason. He puts a security guard, obviously. Uh, it's He was drunk, and in terms of Michael Jackson, it's human nature. Uh, but obviously, it's not really much of an issue. Um, I found an actual tweet that was actually really telling about this. So the NFL is trying to make an example of Zeke for being drunk. And let's be honest, like a lot of NFL players do uh, get themselves in trouble and a lot of um, influence shenanigans. But yet, uh, one of the an owner of one of the more prestigious franchises of all time essentially gets involved in like a in one of the, probably one of the biggest scandals in the entire offseason, and yet it's been several. It's been a few weeks now, and like nothing has been said after the, after the initial news is broken out. This to me is a non-issue. Um, as far as Zeke goes, he just needs to be a lot more smarter about what what he does in the offseason. Not he doesn't need to be a nun and confine himself in the house and go to training camp and just do all that. Yeah, go out and have fun, but you need to be smart, especially when you're on the cups of trying to into your final year of a rookie deal and you're trying to become the highest-paid running back in the whole football. So I don't think there's a ne- need, necessary need to make an example out of Zeke. One of the z- examples already been shown when he got suspended for six games for doing nothing wrong. And two... Um, you're just going to show, once again, an inconsistency in regards to conduct policy in the NFL in terms of who you punish. In terms of the impact of Elliott, like among the big three in the Dallas' offense, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott is honestly the biggest out of all three of them because uh, we saw Amari struggle after his last two seasons with Oakland, and Dak Prescott is nothing more than the game manager as a quarterback, so... So should something happen, I agree with you guys that nothing is going to happen, but should something happen to Elliot, prepare to see a very dysfunctional um, Dallas Cowboys uh, team in 2019. Moving on to the topic of teams, every year uh, a certain team is allowed to host the Super Bowl, but we've never seen a team actually make it to the Super Bowl and host it at the same time. The closest we've ever gotten to something like that uh, in our lifetime, at least, was when the Minnesota Vikings were in the NFC Championship against your Philadelphia Eagles, about Chris and um, Jerome calling you out on that. And they were blown out, convincingly, to say the least. And I'm looking at this at uh, the next five Super Bowl hosts coming up. In 2020, it's the Miami Dolphins. 
at Hard Rock Stadium. 2021 is the Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. 2022 is the Chargers and the Rams and what will be their shared home in Los Angeles. Then it's going to be uh, the farm for the with the Arizona Cardinals and then the Superdome with the Saints. Now, guys, I'm looking through this list, and it's hard to know what's going to happen within five years of this team, but out of every one of them that I just named, do any of them stand a chance of actually making it to the Super Bowl? If so, which one? If not, why not? And, Chris, let me start off with you on that one. Well, the Dolphins are out. Follow, uh, Tampa Bay, I like the pairing of Bruce Arians and uh, Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston is able to have a solid year, then he might be able to stay as a quarterback. But I still don't see that team being a, a legitimate playoff contender, let alone a Super Bowl contender. And I'm looking at the rest of this list. So uh, the best bet to me is probably have to be the Rams. Sean McVay has already proven himself that he can get to the Super Bowl, regardless of the controversial fashion that it did happen. Um, Jared Goff is still going to be there going into his prime. Um, the biggest X question mark is going to be Todd Gurley's health, but even still then, I still think Sean McVay is still going to be there. Um, going to have solid wide receivers of Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and uh, as long as Aaron Donald, who is still the most dominant defensive player in the league, is still there, um, it's still a safe bet for me to assume that out of all those five teams, the Rams are probably the best bet of hosting the Super Bowl. Now, um, Avery, last year the was the the Falcons hosted the Super Bowl last year uh, in the in their new stadium. So, we you know, it had to be a little disappointing not to see the home team uh, go to the championship in their home stadium. So, let me ask you, man: in any of these five teams, can you see someone actually going to the big game? Uh, strong possibility. Just a comment on that, man. After the injuries, I was I already knew. I already knew it was going to happen, so was a surprise. You lose your two starting safeties, your two starting guards, your starting running back, and your starting middle linebacker for more than half the season. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no. I don't I don't know any team uh, that could overcome uh, that type of uh, injury bug. So it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, we can stay healthy this year, and we'll see what we do. Um, I, I, want, I tend to lean uh, toward agreeing with Chris that uh, I think the Rams have the most solid uh, chance just because um, of the core. Uh, you you got Todd Gurley on the contract. You've got, um, you know, Jared Goff is going to, you know, you know he's going to be there. You know um, McVay is going to be there. Having the pieces that they have on defense, I, I think that it's a strong possibility um, that, that they can do it. And the way their division is, is set up, it, it, it kind of bodes well for them. But I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a leap here I'm gonna take a leap here and I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with the Chargers I think it'll be the Chargers just because of what they're building on defense the defense side of the ball is phenomenal um on paper obviously and last year they did play very well um and on paper it looks like they've gotten better um I think that the biggest question mark is obviously Philip Rivers does he stay does he um retire but for me even if he retires I think that with the pieces that they have on defense, with the running game that they have in Melvin Gordon, uh, with the receiving core that they have, um, it's a and with hopefully um, a, a healthy young tight end uh, coming back from a devastating injury, um, you can plug in a young quarterback in in that system, and they can play well. So I, I think that for me, 
Um, I would have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with uh, the Chargers. Um, and I think they they can be a team that'll uh, host and play in in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm gonna go on a limb. You guys both chose Los Angeles teams in the Super Bowl, which you know I can see that these are both pretty good teams or with pretty good young cores manning the helms. Uh, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say in about four years' times we're going to see the the five foot ten prodigy selected number one overall this year, Kyler Murray, will lead the Arizona Cardinals to to Super Bowl in 2023. Because let me put it this way: if you select a quarterback with the first overall pick, even though you selected a quarterback last year in the tenth overall pick, then he's got to be something special. And if he's special enough to get you to a Super Bowl to host by 2023, which I think he can because he will only be in his fourth year in the league and still under the rookie contract waiting for the fifth-year option to take, I I can't see why not. You know, I believe in Kyler Murray. I think that the Cardinals will do a good job of building around him. David Johnson will still be in his prime and, uh, and if Andy Isabella can turn to the slot receiver that they hope he can be, a la Julian Edelman, then you got a pretty decent chance here. But yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my pick to the Cardinals right there, guys. What about you, Jerome? Um, I will always go with the more possibility, the fact that there's two LA teams in the same year can possibly get there. I'm gonna go with the Chargers um, for the, all the reasons that uh, Avery said. You know, they, they got a good young nucleus on defense. Defensive defenses were win championships. Um and like Avery said again, um it all depends on what uh Philip River do. I think that he can play out to that that year. Um you said twenty twenty two, right? Twenty three. Um so he can play out to that, that year. I mean Tom Brady's doing it. But um you never know. I mean, again, it's always injuries and this and that. But, like, I just feel like the nucleus of the, the team is so young. Like, even on offense, like, they still have – they got um, Mike Williams, who started coming on last year. Um, um, Hunter – Hunter. Uh, I'm sorry, Henry Hunter, um, you know, tight end. He's coming off the injury, but he, you know, he could be really good next year. I mean, down the line, um, I think that he's going to be a really good tight end. Um, offensive line is all young. Um, you know, they're they can be coming together as well. So I I think like what Avery said, like they can't be the Chargers. I think they're a lot more younger and like their defense is more intact and they're not overpaying a lot of these guys right now. They're they're still a lot of these good players that they have are still on their rookie contract, so well, three for Los Angeles, one for Arizona. We'll see who the wise people are within the next. Ooh, that's fighting words. <laughs> yeah, that, that is fighting words. I'm just confident in the abilities of the five foot ten quarterback Kyler Murray and the creativeness of rookie head coach Kim Kingsbury. I say that with a little bit of of grain, with a, with a little grain of salt on my shoulder, but I have nothing but confidence. In the meantime, I just want to say that this is unfortunately the end of the podcast for today. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can check us out at InsideTheHashes.com on social media. We are Inside the Hashes on Facebook, at Inside the Hashes on Instagram, Inside Hashes on Twitter, and you can also find all of us on Instagram through the Inside the Hashes Instagram account. 
For Avery Collins, Chris Thomas, and Jerome Jones, my name is Juan Gargarine. This was the Air Out Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.